Hi, welcome to an unusual episode of... Well, it's not really coexisting with non-human animals. I just wanted to talk about Anzac Day, war in general, and white poppies. Today, the 25th of April, is Anzac Day in New Zealand. Today, New Zealand remembers our dead from previous wars. Anzac means Australia and New Zealand Army Corps. New Zealand worked together with Australia in the First World War. Anzac Day in particular remembers a beach landing at Gallipoli, in Turkey, where Anzac troops landed at what is now called Anzac Cove. Many Australian and New Zealand troops lost their lives, and this is what we remember on Anzac Day. Artificial red poppies are worn on Anzac Day to remember our soldiers who died. The Returned Services Association, RSA, sells the artificial flowers which are worn for the day and are often left at memorials nationwide. At least in New Zealand, the white poppy seems to be a very recent addition. The white poppy remembers those killed by war on all sides, from all wars, and has a message of peace. The white poppy has the word peace in its centre, hoping for a world without any war. It's amazing how hostile people in New Zealand seem to be towards the white poppy. They say it's an insult to those who fought and died to defend New Zealand, or it's a trick to cash in by tree-hugging hippies selling another kind of fake flower around Anzac Day. I've grown up feeling proud to wear a red poppy on Anzac Day, to remember the New Zealanders who died, to remember my paternal grandfather who fought in the New Zealand Navy during World War II, but I also liked the white poppy. I don't think it's one or the other. I'm happy to wear both at the same time. In many ways, the white poppy remembers every person who has been killed, but I support the veterans who profit from sales of the red poppy, so I like both. I feel more than a little strange covering Anzac Day on this show. I am far from an expert on war, and I make no claims to be right about anything I talk about. Perhaps I should mention my own family's experience with war. My paternal grandfather fought in the New Zealand Navy in the Pacific Theatre. I have two of his medals and a photo of him in his naval uniform. He died when I was young, and I never got to speak with him about his memories of the Second World War. My maternal grandmother's partner, I call him Bob, would spend many hours telling me about the Second World War. I would sit on the carpet and listen to him for hours straight. Bob was English, a Geordie in particular, something I know very little about, although he could speak the crazy Geordie dialect where speakers talk about uh, 500 times faster than any other English speaker, and use words like hoose for house, dune for down, and my favourite that I might start using myself, Forky Tail, for earwigs. Bob only ever spoke like a Geordie if he was asked. Bob and I would talk about all the job positions he had filled. He seemed to have been in every conceivable job available, except for fighting on the front lines. I've learnt all kinds of interesting things from Bob. It was very useful to hear someone who had actually been in England at the time of the war speak of his experiences. I learnt that his own father was killed while serving as a security guard, patrolling warehouses. A bomb blew up the building he was in. New Zealanders can speak of serving their country abroad during war, but we have nothing like that. I've always imagined it like the set of Coronation Street. To imagine a bomb falling out of nowhere to blow up one of those buildings is very difficult to imagine for me. But that was the reality of war in Europe. I'll read from the Wikipedia page on the White Poppy. In 1933, the Women's Cooperative Guild introduced the White Poppy. Their intention was to remember all the war dead of all wars. 
With the added meaning of a hope for the end of all wars, the red poppy they felt signified only the British military dead. I think my family has suffered from war just as much as any other family in New Zealand has. I think I should be able to wear a, a white poppy, regretting the deaths of everyone killed by war and wishing for peace. And yet, the white puppy seems to be hated in New Zealand. Battle lines are being drawn by two groups selling commemorative poppies in the lead-up to Anzac Day. Alongside the normal red poppies, which raise money for veterans, is a group of peace activists selling white poppies to promote peace. But as Dan Parker reports, they've only caused conflict. Peace activist Edwina Hughes has imported 3,500 of these white peace poppies from England, most of which, she says, have already been sold. But this international symbol of peace has divided many. We've had a pretty mixed bag of messages today. We've had some hate mail. That's because some are incensed by the timing of the appeal, which coincides with the lead-up to Poppy Day. Last year, the Wellington RSA alone was able to raise $90,000 from the sale of red poppies. President Trevor McComish says new competition is unwanted. Poppy Day, the money we make on Poppy Day, goes towards the uh, welfare of the veterans and their widows and anything that would uh, lower that income would be a very sad thing as far as we're concerned. And that's a sentiment shared by Veterans Affairs Minister Judith Collins, who en route to Gallipoli had conflict on her mind. It's clearly a stunt, trying to uh, take advantage of Poppy Day, and it's disgraceful. Despite this, Hughes says the white poppies and the local scholarships they fund for students studying peace is a cause worth fighting for. She says the two appeals can coexist and not all are against the idea. A number of our members are involved with the RSA and a number of RSA members around the country have, um, have ordered poppies because they want to have the white poppies and the red poppies together. You'll be able to buy a white poppy like this on the streets here in Wellington tomorrow, a day ahead of the RSA's official poppy day. And peace movement Aotearoa say that'll continue in the years to come despite the conflict. Dan Parker, 3 News. The peace movement's white poppy appeal received a cold reception from many on the streets of Wellington as collectors got in a day ahead of the RSA's regular poppy day appeal. But as Dan Parker reports, the white poppies sold out anyway. Lunchtime on Lambton Quay and the poppy trade is roaring. Thank you. That's despite widespread anger over the white poppy peace appeal, which is taking place just a day before the RSA's collectors hit the streets. It could be bad timing, I don't know, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll be certainly buying a red poppy tomorrow. While some refuse to donate solely out of loyalty to the RSA, others can't see a conflict. I don't see that respect for veterans and respect for peace are necessarily mutually exclusive. These guys went through a hell of a lot. It's a good idea to uh, support a cause that tries to stop future generations going through the same thing. But the RSA and Veterans Affairs Minister Judith Collins don't share that opinion. They see it as hijacking the RSA's appeal, labelling peace movement Aotearoa a disgrace. Well, both the Minister of Veterans Affairs and the RSA are entitled to their opinions. Hughes says the negative response has seen interest in her poppies spike. She's received around 200 pieces of hate mail, but isn't deterred. Is there room enough in New Zealand for all these courses? Well, I would say so, yes. Hughes says peace movement Aotearoa has funded two scholarships for students studying peace. And the proceeds from this year's White Poppy Appeal will fund another. Dan Parker, 3 News. I think part of the issue is that New Zealanders see this White Poppy as a modern thing. They have never heard of it before, and it's a knee-jerk reaction to be so negative about it. 
I don't see that a fake white flower could be a threat to anyone, especially with a sticker in its middle saying peace. Really, if the only thing the veterans have against the white poppy is that they don't profit from its sale, I think that's not very valid. I do support the veterans here. I hate the idea of elderly people dying alone in poverty, and so I buy the red poppies also. Reading from Wikipedia, the Royal British Legion has no official opinion on the wearing of white poppies, stating that it is a matter of choice. The Legion doesn't have a problem whether you wear a red one or a white one, both or none at all. I wish the RSA here in New Zealand could be equally accepting. I've heard from those angry that the white poppy is sold around Anzac Day. Well, that is the logical time for New Zealanders to remember the tragedies of war. It's about the only time this country remembers the war dead. During the First World War, there was in fact obvious times when both sides saw how each was human. There is one cultural event that is widely remembered as bringing soldiers in Europe together, and it wasn't Christmas. It was, of course, the beautiful game. Cool Christmas. Thousands of British soldiers said goodbye to loved ones and sailed across the English Channel to fight the Germans in France and Belgium. They were in a hurry to go. Everyone was saying it would be a short war. It started in August 1914, but once the Brits got there, it would be over by Christmas. When Christmas 1914 came, the war was far from over. It was just the first of four miserable wartime Christmases. Four years of miserable channel crossings, followed by even more miserable days spent waiting or fighting. Yet there was one story from Christmas Day 1914 that has never been forgotten. An old soldier may have remembered it like this. They called me Eddie. I'd been in the army just a few months when the war started. December 1914 was the first Christmas I'd ever spent away from home. They said this war would be over by Christmas. They said a million men have rushed to join the British Army and they were all worried that the war would finish before they got there. <laughs> it seemed like you never got away from the sound of war, even in your dreams. I were a bit miserable, but the lads were good, especially my mate Jimmy. He cheered me up. When I said I wanted it a bit warmer, he said, Warmer? You don't want it any warmer, son. The cold freezes the ground nice and hard and keeps us dry in the trenches. If it wasn't for the cold, we'd be over our ankles in mud. And you've got your chocolate and your tobacco and your Christmas card from the king and queen, haven't you? I said to him, Jim, it's quiet, isn't it? He said, it's Christmas. It's like an unofficial truce. We won't bother, Jerry and he won't bother us. So, just enjoy your Christmas. I looked at the Christmas card from the King and Queen. It said, May God protect you and bring you home safe. And I was just going to say how quiet it was again. And the Germans were singing Christmas carols. We heard the music from the Hun trenches. Stille Nacht in the still evening air, 
About a hundred candles were flickering on a dozen fir trees they'd stuck up in front of their trenches. Then I called, eh, Merry Christmas, Fritz! And a German called back, Merry Christmas, Tommy! We meet! We shake hands! You don't shoot, we don't shoot! Come here, Tommy! Shake hands! You don't shoot, we don't shoot! Well, Jimmy tried to stop me, but a lot of the lads had left the cold trenches and met the Germans in no man's land where it were even colder. I looked over the top of the trench and saw a group of about 20 Germans climb out with a football. They kicked it over the uneven ground. Then someone suggested a game. Well, I were a good footballer and I got picked as right winger. For an hour, there were no war. But there were plenty of conflict. Every time I ran forward, I were tripped by this stocky, red-faced German. After one tackle, I was sure my ankle were broken. Oh, only me heavy army boots saved me. The German booted the ball up the field, where a tall officer glanced it with his head and into the goal that was made by rifles stuck in the hard earth. There were just five minutes to go, and we were one nil down. Then I got the ball, and I ran towards their goal. I saw the big German charging towards me. He skidded over the frozen mud and a slide that would have broken my ankle. I jumped up over his legs and ran on. The goalkeeper dived too soon. I waited, and I slid the ball between the goalposts. The British soldiers cheered till their throats were raw, and I've never felt so happy in my life. Then the whistle went for full time, and I were mobbed by my team. When I turned round, the stocky red-faced German was standing there. Suddenly, he stuck out a fat arm. Shake hand, Englishman. Good played. <laughs> Good played, Fritz, I grinned. Not Fritz, Hans. My name, Hans. Oh, my name, Edward. Good played, Hans. Good played, Edward. Good shoot, Hans said. Thanks, I replied, and I felt myself blushing. Well, yes. Football, eh? Yeah, it's good football. Today, shoot football. Tomorrow, shoot guns. When I looked up, Hans was marching back towards his trench. Hans! The Germans stopped and turned. Uh, good luck, I said. I recited the king and queen's words from my memory as if they were some magic charm. Uh, may God protect you and bring you home safe. Hans gave a brief nod. You too, Edward. You too. Having to kill someone you like, that's the most Horrible history of all. We remember them as veterans now, as elderly people who need assistance. 
But at the time, they were young people, no different than you or I, assuming we are both around war-serving age. If the game of football could bring soldiers together, to share stories, memories and time together, then I can't see how promoting peace would be a bad thing. There was nothing glamorous in the army, and I'm sure practically every soldier on every side would have wanted peace in their lifetimes, more than to be remembered after they had been killed. My friend Elizabeth was kind enough to join me to talk about war. Hi Jordan, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast again, it's always a pleasure. So, I didn't really know about this conflict between people regarding the white poppy. I love the sound of the white poppy. If the white poppy, the idea of the white poppy is to promote peace and while at the same time remembering the wars, the deaths, the soldiers who died, and what about the civilians who died? You know, what about them? I mean, are we remembering them? When we, you know, when we uh, honor our fallen soldiers, do we also, I mean, I don't think there's much done honoring the collateral damage of the wars, um, who are just as much victims as I believe the soldiers are. I fully support the white poppy. I'm glad that you are strong enough in your own uh, in your own convictions to wear one. I would certainly wear one. And um, I think it's really sad that people want to make an issue about it. How is promoting peace and saying that we should stop having wars, how is that disrespectful to soldiers who died? I don't understand. And there's also soldiers who were wounded. And, you know, don't forget the terrible toll on the families of, of, of veterans, on the veterans who don't, maybe are not wounded physically, who maybe survive, but who suffer psychological traumas. Um, I just read a statistic today that um, in America, from you know, Iraq, there's a huge amount of the homeless population as um, veterans, and as there are more women soldiers, there's more women um, veterans, obviously, and there's more women homeless who are veterans. There's something like, I can't remember the statistic because I'm really bad at researching and remembering these things, but um, a terrible amount of suicides in the, in the United States. At the moment, they're involved in a lot of war, and that's what's being documented as their suicide rates. Is a huge amount of them are veterans. And so there's also damage to, um, continuing damage to families. You know, war affects every generation that's involved in it because the um, soldiers come back traumatized, and if the wives and children are still with them, they're affected. Uh, my family, my both of my parents were in Vietnam and I definitely know that they were both affected and that their, the trauma that they suffered was uh, also a factor in uh, the dysfunction of, our, of my family. Um, it changes you, war changes you and um, for the worst and I challenge anybody who thinks it's something about glory to talk to your average veteran and see if the veteran would encourage you to go to war. Um, some of the most outspoken uh, detractors of, you know, protesters of war are, are veterans. And they're not 
trying to dishonor themselves. They're just being honest and saying, you know, look, you know, this is unnecessary, it's wrong. And peace is the way to go. So I definitely support the white poppy. Uh, if the red poppy people <laughs> think that, you know, it's somehow dishonoring, I think they're missing the big, the point. I wish that every single anniversary of war or any kind of Remembrance Day, I wish that every single one of those, rather than focusing on the past and focusing on the dead, was certainly honoring them and recognizing that they lost their lives as a result of this. I believe they are victims. But I think the focus should be on peace. The entire point of remembering any wars, you know, um, any conflicts which involved um, people killing other people, and it's usually young people killing other young people for reasons that they don't even really understand. And a huge amount of them are they're just fodder for the machine, and they're often, um, you know, poor. They're from the poorer um, members of society. I think that the focus of those days, of all of those days, any days that we have, Anzac Day, whatever, Memorial Day, I don't care, should be on peace. And, um, and on ending war. And... Um, you know, gosh, if if uh, if we put our minds to it, and as as a global community, um, try to focus all our energy on how to be peaceful. Part of that is veganism, obviously. Then um, it doesn't mean that we're dishonoring those who died in war, but I guarantee you that those who died in war. Well, I believe that those who died in war would be very happy if we remembered them and used their example and, and used this day of remembrance to promote peace so that no more people die in war. I mean, how can that be a bad thing? Um, we're very confused. We're very, uh, we're very backwards in our thinking about this. I don't see the point in celebrating the deaths if you're not going to use it for something positive and the most positive thing that you can use that for is peace and what those soldiers died for is peace all soldiers die because they're trying to end the war I mean the war shouldn't start in the first place but that's what they're trying to do it's all to ending the war unfortunately a lot of times the war will only end when one side kills too many of the other side, or whatever power struggle that's in play, um, you know, what, whoever the generals and the politicians who caused the wars decide, one of them gives up and says, okay, you can have this land, or whatever you, you know, whatever you're fighting for. So that's what the soldiers are fighting for. They're fighting so that the war will stop. I mean, when, when the thing isn't resolved, when the land dispute isn't resolved, that's that's why people fight, supposedly, is to regain peace again. So why not just start with peace? And why not honor those people who are fighting for peace, supposedly? Why not honor them with making the focus of all memorials and all remembrances of all the victims of war, and it shouldn't just be the soldiers, a tool, a vehicle for peace? So yes, I do support the white poppy if that's what the white poppy represents. And I'm sorry I haven't done my research. I take your word for it, Jordan. I'm, you know, I'm not as uh, informed as I should be about these things. 
but I definitely do support the white poppy if that's what it represents and I don't think it detracts at all from the red poppy in fact really you know I wish that people would I mean here we are fighting again <laughs> over the color of a poppy and what it represents and how can you be upset about people who are promoting peace um, I, I think that they need to take a step back and ask themselves if their ancestors or those who died um, would really object to this being a celebration of peace, a remembrance of their death, using that to say, let's stop doing this. Um, I think that they're misguided in their objection to it. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with dishonoring the, the... Well, that's certainly not the way I would do, look at it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that people who do support the white poppy were not you, intending this to be disrespectful to the, to the soldiers who died. Um, I think that it's a very good idea. And I hope that people can just uh, snap out of it long enough to um, concentrate on what's important. What's important is, um, is what's going to happen today and tomorrow. And let's make that peace. And it doesn't mean that we're not honoring those who died. So I hope that was uh, part of, you know, I hope that fits in with the theme of your of your podcast. And um, I commend you for doing this episode. Um, it's a, you know, it's a touchy subject, obviously. Um, and I fully support you. So thank you very much for having me on this wonderful episode. And um, keep up the great, great work that you're doing. And thanks for everything that you're doing. All right. Bye for now. I thank Elizabeth for her time. I thought it would be interesting to hear about someone in a different position to myself. My friend Andrew lives in England, and his family was in a different scenario than mine at the time of the World Wars. For New Zealanders, we were far away from where the fighting of war was occurring, but it was much closer to home for Andrew's family. It was, in fact, at home for Andrew's family. I have a friend who knows a little bit about uh, war. Uh, my friend Andrew and we have a podcast, well, we have two podcasts together. I always want to say we have one. We have the Patriot Cast talking about Metal Gear Solid, and we have the JNA show where we talk about technology. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing very well today, Jay. Uh, it's nice and sunny outside here. I hear it's, the weather isn't quite as good where you are, but I'm very happy to be on your show. I'm a very big <laughs> fan of your show. So, um, Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've explained a little bit about Anzac Day to you, how it's a memorial day. We remember the Anzacs and what they did, the Anzacs being the Australians and New Zealanders who fought in World War One and World War Two. Right. And uh, Anzac Day is basically about World War One. although on the day we do remember other wars and we pay tribute to everyone that was on our side that was killed. And, um, yeah, I've explained that much to you. And most, of the pe most people remember it with the red poppy, you have the red poppy where you live. Um, uh, yes, it, it, in, just just quickly in Britain, yeah, it's it's kind of like it, it's it's not really a big thing. It's on the eleventh of November. People, you know, people remember it, and we have like moments of silence in school, workplace, and you just remember all, all the wars. So yeah, it's 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 a prominent part of culture here in Britain. Okay, yeah, it's quite different in New Zealand. We don't really we only remember it on Anzac Day, really, and the. RSA, which is the Returned Servicemen's Association, they sell them and they take them donations to look after for the welfare of war veterans around right. Anzac Day, and that's what it's for. Um, it's about the only wartime Remembrance Day that we have in New Zealand. And right, right. a more recent thing, it seems to be, is the White Poppy, which I've got a few of, and I support the White Poppy, um, although I will be buying the Red Poppy as well, because it, it's a donation towards the veterans. But 
The white poppy is basically the same as the red poppy, although the white poppy is remembering the deaths of everyone, hoping that war will end soon, for, forever, which is unlikely, but where, you know, peace is a worthwhile thing to strive for. And it's about the deaths of everyone and hoping that we don't have any wars in future and that we stay out of war. And a lot of people are quite hostile to that. They say that it's against the veterans and that we're all a bunch of tree-hugging hippies. And I just thought I'd like to have you on and we could talk about war and how it's affected your family and where you're from. Right, right. Um, well, uh, I live in Britain now, but uh, I've lived here for about eight years. Um, maybe you can tell by my accent I'm not fully uh, British. I grew up the first nine years of my life in a country called Ukraine. I don't know if you've heard about it. It, it was a former Soviet country. Uh, so it was it was kind of like part of Russia. When people ask me from where I'm from. I usually say Russia because they haven't heard of Ukraine. It's the same language, very similar cultures. So uh, I grew up then, and war is very, very, very different because um, we'll get into this maybe a little bit later. But okay. uh, the war was uh, fought very differently in in the Soviet Union than it was in uh, in say in New Zealand and Australia, but uh, the thing is, there has been a l- casualties in pretty much every family back in the old Soviet countries uh, where I'm from, uh, where, you know, for example, on my great nan's side, her, her dad was, you know, kill- killed in the war. And from my granddad's side, uh, he was taken by Stalin, you know, uh, during the war and sent to the gulags to mm. basically die off there. So it's interesting because... You know, in the Soviet Union, Stalin, the leader, he was equally as bad as Hitler, quite frankly. He killed as many of his own people as, as Hitler did. And uh, because of that, Russia had more casualties than Soviet Union had more casualties than any other country uh, from war. So war is very different, and there's a very different association of war in, in the former Soviet countries. Okay, yeah, I've been reading, I've been researching about this um, today, and I've been looking at, especially on Wikipedia, although it's not always the best source for everything, it's good for general things, and yep. I've got a page I'm going to link to, The Military History of New Zealand in World War One, And uh, I was right. seeing here in World War One that um, we had over 103,000 troops from a population of just over a million. So, you know, um, about a tenth of the country were, were overseas fighting for this. And apparently here it's saying 42% of men of military age served. Um, and we had about 17,000 New Zealanders killed, about 40,000 wounded. So that was about 58% casualty rate. And so um, we do both agree that it is very different, the war fighting, that New Zealand was so far away, that we are so mm. far away, and mm. that we weren't invaded or occupied, and that we went over and were trying to help out sort of the British Empire in a lot of ways. It's a very mm-hmm. different sort of war for us then. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, the thing is, just a bit of backstory. Uh, for you know, for Britain and its colonies, the war started uh, around about well, 1949 or around about. That was the year. Um, was uh, it, yeah. Russia, yeah, Russia didn't go in until 1941, and the reason for that is uh, a couple of years before, Stalin and Hitler signed a treaty where basically they would each ha- have half of Poland and leave each other alone. But Hitler, being the very awful man that he was, backstabbed and destroyed that treaty and invaded Poland and, and attacked Russia on, in 1940, 
won, and the Russian forces were so depleted, uh, they were they attacked at very early dawn when people least expected it. People didn't expect it. They didn't have proper forces. They didn't have a proper army. They didn't have any. You know, they weren't prepared. They should have been because they should have been expecting it, but they weren't prepared. And um, so they attacked, and we had no weapons or resources. So uh, what happened was. Uh, kind of like a guerrilla warfare, people called the partisans started to show up. And what they were, they were basically uh, people who lived in the villages. Because you see, uh, the former Soviet countries, they have cities, but this, uh, the Soviet Union was so huge, the majority of it was villages and rural landscapes where farmers would live and grow their crops and cows and that kind of stuff. So uh, they attacked, when they first attacked, they attacked the rural uh, the, the country. Uh, you know the, the villages. Yes. So what the people did is the men, they, they had no idea what was going on. You know they realized okay they speak German and the rest of the world is at war with them. So the men didn't have they were so underprepared. So the men that actually survived the invasion ran into the woods and hid into the woods and started a kind of a guerrilla warfare with the Germans where they would you know steal their supplies and attack them and slowly build build up their forces because there were so many forests and woods in the Soviet Union. And that's how it kind of happened, because Russia was so underprepared for it. And um, uh, the, the other thing is, uh, because Russia was so underprepared, unlike New Zealand, you know, which is an island far away from where the bulk of yes. the war was, uh, a lot of the Russian cities, to the east mostly, uh, were taken over and occupied by the German forces. And that gives a very different outlook onto onto the war because when when your country is occupied uh, it's it, it's very different uh, and uh, so the, the the cities some it's not just little villages some of the major cities were occupied and the city where I come from in Ukraine it was like the second biggest city it was a port town where all the supplies came in it's called Odessa and uh, uh, it was occupied for for quite some time and then eventually it got released and the cities that had been occupied and the soldiers fought back uh, were deemed the title, let's say, of Hero City. So my relatives back in Ukraine would always ask me when I was going to come back to the Hero City. And so it, it, it's, it's, that's why the war is very dis different, because we've had so many casualties and we've actually felt occupation of the enemy forces there. So that's why people are a lot more serious about uh, what's called the Victory Day, which is how we... The e day it would be, yeah. Yeah, how we, I don't want to say celebrate again, but how we remember. Uh, I, I guess people do say celebrate, celebrate. I say it sometimes too. I mean, you know, um, obviously we're remembering it, but we say we celebrate a day rather than we, we remember a day. Well, well looking back at that, I, I think people do kind of celebrate. They celebrate us winning and our occupation being over and okay. us, you know, us defeating kind of the enemy, Yes, I guess. But um, it, it, it all depends on your, really, on your outlook. And Victory Day is for for those of you who thinking what it is in Russia at least. It's the stereotypical thing that you see on the Red Square, big weapons driving past. You know, at least in the Soviet Union, you know, people saluting. Okay. And it's not really all what it's. It's not you know you can't judge a book by its cover. What it really is, it's I don't want to kind of sound biased, but in the last couple of years, it's remembering. It is remembering kind of the veterans and what they fought for in the war, you know, it's remembering the people that freed our cities and remembering, uh, you know, all, all the people that died 
so on the victory day you get the remaining veterans i guess and you know they have they have free food and they give them some money because a lot of them are old and you know not a lot, not all of them have families to care okay, for them yes so they, you know, on Victory Day, they would get the veterans to see the parade. They would give them gifts. They would respect them. And it's not all about you know weapons in the Red Square. You, you have uh, current soldiers walking past and giving a salute to the people that kind of you know fought, fought for us. So that's why I guess it's very different from New Zealand because you know the country was actually occupied and we had to fight to free it. So yeah, that's kind of like the bulk of it. So we have, yeah, we have been talking about it. Can how would you think that I've mentioned before that the white poppies have been very negatively received in New Zealand in general? I've seen right. some polls where it seems to be seventy percent of people against them, and I think that's more, it's more a hype, and they feel that they should feel this way because of how the people around them have been talking, because the white poppies do seem to be such a relatively new thing here. Um, people seem to think that it's just a New Zealand thing, and it seems to just come about this year as though it was a couple of sort of left-wing, communist, socialist hippies sort of on the benefit, you know, living off, um, not working for themselves, living off the government. Right. They just decided to put a big protest and annoy everyone by selling these white poppies. Um, right. That's not the case at all. The white poppies are an international thing. They've been around for, for decades, um, about as long as the red poppies almost. And mm-hmm. how do you think that something like this would be received in Russia and countries like the Ukraine and all the former sort of Soviet Union countries? Because... Obviously, you do. I mean, everyone is very sad about the war, right? Mm. Oh, I mean, oh, definitely. If, uh, if, if anything, uh, the reason we kind of, again, celebrate it, remember it yeah. so much more, because it's a huge celebration. You know, television networks prepare for it for months, and people prepare. And it's, it's a really nice thing to see. All the veterans, mm. they, would, they would walk out on the street, and they would put on their army jackets where they have all their medals and they have so you see these veterans and they don't have room left on their jackets for medals because you know they've taken down tanks and battalions with literally with literally nothing so you kind of you know people definitely respect that but um, you talk to the veterans and they you know they say you know you're a hero and a lot of the veterans will tell you look I'm not a hero I had to do what I had to do war is a horrible thing and I hope you know if I could, I would throw away all these medals and throw away everything so the war wouldn't happen. So everyone acknowledges the fact that it's a it's a horrible thing and people don't want for it to happen again. But the cultural differences are, I guess, so vast, especially like there is still conflict within the Soviet countries. For example, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Moscow, their trains got attacked by yes. terrorist forces in Chechnya and that kind of stuff. So... Uh, people, people don't, you know, no one wants war. But uh, I would definitely think it's uh, if, if they if they try something like that. Uh, I don't. Of course, there will be people that will, will say, you know, this is this is horrible. You're not remembering the veterans. You're not honouring them. But I do think that there there are going to be people, and probably the actual veterans are going to join them that that say, look, this this is this is good because. You know, you don't want war. So I, I think it'll be similar. There'll be a mixed mixed bag of people. Yeah, I was interested in knowing. Um, I mean, I don't know if we could say if we could understand if people in, say, the Ukraine would think about it much differently since it's so negative, the white poppy. Apparently, people are not taking to it at all. Um, 70% against it in one poll. Uh, they thought it was rude and it was disrespecting the veterans. Um, 
I don't understand exactly how they feel that way. I mean, I'm happy to buy both, and I will buy both um, to support the veterans, you know, because they do receive money from the red poppies, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I also wonder, they say that Anzac Day, which is what we're celebrating in New Zealand tomorrow on the 25th, right. that it is quite popular now, especially among the young. And some of that, yeah. I wonder, is maybe it is through things like movies where, where they see sort of the glamorous side of war. Uh, we both mentioned we've both seen the movie Pearl Harbor in which yeah. um, Ben Affleck and a couple of other American guys sort of jumped into a plane and they single-handedly sort of won World War II. Um, mm. So I do think in some ways that does affect how people see the red poppy. They see them, you know, the veterans as heroes. Um they say about you know, I, they fought for the freedom and defended, and I think they do understand that the white poppy and their understanding, um, calling for peace, is in somehow um, putting down the veterans. Um, how would you um, feel about that? You know, I think you're so right about what you're saying. These days, war has been more glorified than it has ever been because we are, uh, you know, we're we're about we're over 60 years away from the last world war, and people yeah. are forgetting the true horrors of it. And most people don't see the horrors of modern wars, be it Afghanistan, Iraq. So people forget exactly how bad it is. And the only representation we have of war, unfortunately, is Michael Bay movies and video games, Call of Duty, where they make war seem glamorous. You get you do all the fighting and all the cool stuff, but you don't witness the true horror of it because of rating systems. And, you know, games have got to sell, so they won't include horrible injuries and disfigurements in most. Well, something I mention is that when the people that we call the veterans now, when they all went to the war, most of them were underage and they lied about their age and things to get in. Um, in countries like New Zealand, I'm talking about, um, the Soviet Union was a lot different. Um, <laughs> and they, they just sort of decided, oh, I'm going to, you know, I want to fly a plane and things like that. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. They wanted to be heroes, some of them at least. So, um, we weren't really conscripted, I don't think, so much in New Zealand. And I don't know so much. I never really got to talk to my granddad about it because he died when I was very young. Um, but it, it would be very different. I mean, they, they were very young men. They were all teenagers, most of the veterans at the time. And, it's, you know, they're not the most mature people always. I mean, you can read accounts about all the drinking and things they did. Um, and they were put into a horrible, horrible situation, but they were just normal people. And I think that's important to realize. And I think, you know, they were fighting for peace. They weren't fighting for red poppies or medals. They wanted peace, um, mm-hmm. especially after they actually had experienced the war, not what they thought it was going to be like. Um, and so I don't really, I, I don't, I can't say what my granddad would feel about it, but I'm sure he was, you know, he didn't want, he wouldn't have wanted to be in the war <laughs> when he was actually in it, of course. So, I mean, I don't see why he would be offended if I wore a white poppy or a red poppy or both as I will. Mm. Well, you see, that's the interesting thing. You're saying, you know, a lot, of, a lot of your New Zealand forces wanted to go to the war, and there's that mentality when, uh, and this certainly was the mentality in the First World War when they started off. You know, yeah. uh, I studied so many poems and propaganda literature from English literature about this. You know, you had authors like Jesse Pope uh, just promoting the war. You know, who's going to save the day? You know, who's going to help out your land? Are you are, are you going to be a chicken? You're going to run away, mm. and you know propaganda like that, especially in the first world war. To some point, the the the, uh, the second it used patriotism and in order to you know kind of get people to fight. But in in what I know of in the Soviet Union, it was kind of the opposite. You know, people didn't want to because they knew they were going to die, especially to the later you know in once the war got going and people 
saw the horror of it. People knew they were going to die, so they would actually hide. They would hide in, you know, in uh, villages and forests away from the war, so they didn't get recruited because it wasn't young. You know, young people didn't lie about their age. It was the opposite. Young people who were younger than they were, you know, meant to be, but thrown to the war anyway. Because well, yeah, they in a lot have... of ways, they would have understood it more than our than our troops would have. A lot of them. I mean, I can't say. I obviously can't say all our all the soldiers in New Zealand were lying about their age and things. Not all of them wanted to do it, I'm sure. But a lot mm. of them would have, I think, a lot more, certainly, than in the Soviet Union, places that were going to be more directly affected at home. Mm. I mean, we had special, you know, there were special communist kind of groups that would actually search for the people that were hiding in forests. And a lot of the time, you know, um, people would get captured by the German forces and escape because the Germans were occupying the cities. So they would be captured and put into camps. And sometimes they would escape because they knew that the soldiers were going to get shot anyway. So the, many of the soldiers actually escape. And there is, in my family, there is an example of this. What happened is the soldiers escaped. And they didn't go back to the, the authorities because the authorities would say to them, okay, good, you're alive, go outside and get shot again. Mm. What they actually did, and this was my great great uncle, I believe. Uh, he would run away, and he would go. He, he went into a village, and this happened quite a lot. And an elderly woman who lived alone in a village actually hid hid him in her kind of uh, was it loft or some kind of basement. She hid him during the days, and during nights he would help her out with you know her land, and he basically worked for her, and they had kind of an exchange. But you know, and he. Yeah, this was the, the the war was ending by that point, and he kind of lived off, you know, the the rest of the war like that. And then when the war ended, of course, he came out. And a lot of people call that, you know, being a coward, but it's just you know surviving. And there are yeah. so many cases of that because people truly saw. I'm not saying New Zealand didn't, but you know, we saw so much destruction and horror because you know we were occupied there, and a lot of people did, you know, they did hide. Well, yeah, I do. As I said, I do think it's it's obviously very different for different countries. Um, I think we are we both agree that World War One and Two were very different to modern wars. I mean, they are existential. I guess the right word would be, um, you know, this wasn't, you know, like Vietnam, for example. If we think about the American involvement, they weren't under risk of, um, you know, nothing bad invasions. was really going to happen to America directly. They weren't going to have invasions and occupations, as you say. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been great to have you on, Andrew. Thank you for mentioning your experiences, your family's experiences, um, oh, it's, the different it's culture. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much for yeah. joining me. I understand it's in the morning and it's in the night here, so it's fun to have different time zones. It's, it, it's great. It's uh, let me just say it's uh, I've been great trying to kind of reminisce things, even though they're not the funnest of things. But it's been great just sharing my experiences with you and the listeners, and uh, it's been a great pleasure and honour to be on the show. So thank you very much, Jordan. Thank you for being on. Thank you. I really am glad Andrew could join me. His family had such a different experience to mine. Many of the critics of the white poppy say that it's a white feather, that supporters are cowards, that we would stand by as our country were invaded. Well, New Zealand wasn't invaded. The Soviet Union was during the Second World War. There was much more at stake than just being called a coward, and I hope those who are critical of those wishing for peace can understand what it was really like to be in war, It was not glamorous. War is horrible. War is awful. 
I didn't have to ask my friend Andrew if Soviet Union or Ukrainian or even Russian people love their children too. People are the same worldwide, and I think it's highly appropriate to mourn all losses caused by war. I support the red poppy. I remember my family members who were affected by war, but I also support the white poppy, mourning all those who have been killed worldwide and asking for peace. Least we forget. If the 